1: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the SJP Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Sai, and I want to say thank you very, very much for pressing the play button. On today's show, we have another interview with a UK-based independent talent. Uh, today, we're speaking with Liam Jones. Liam has had a very eventful career already, despite the fact he's still not even turned 20. Wrestling in cage matches, ladder matches, extreme rules matches... Being a babyface, a heel, a babyface again, various different characters and showing a great deal of character development in his short career. I really enjoyed speaking with Liam, it was fantastic. I really hope you enjoy the conversation as well. Uh, Before I go, um, if you are not already, please find and follow the show on Facebook and Twitter. Um, You can find us at SJP Wrestling Pod and please use the show's social media accounts. To send in feedback, suggestions, ideas, anything you wish. I really want to hear from you and hear what your thoughts are on the show. Um, but that's enough for me waffling on today. Let's go on to today's interview with UK independent wrestling star Liam Jones. Evolution wrestling star Liam Jones. How are we doing, sir? Perfect. I'm doing well. Thank you for um, having me on this. No, no, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you very much for sparing some of your time to uh, come on and talk this crazy, wonderful, weird world of professional wrestling with me. I appreciate it hugely. Very weird world, very weird world. It is. I mean, I suppose even more so, even more weird at the moment with the whole uh, coronavirus and lockdown situation in full swing and shows being, um, well, not happening, I guess, in general. Um, how, How has that affected you? personally and uh, and as a wrestler and so on I mean, just whilst we're starting off here I mean I, I understand uh, that there's no shows for you to work on is there?
0: No um, so I'm one of the lucky ones where I've still had myself a personal job so I can fall back so I'm not um, completely stranded like some of the other workers that do us full-time but um, it's still very tough obviously it's amazing to be out every week in front of a crowd Uh, getting that adrenaline knowing you can go training every week like to be the best you can and it's just been being a bit hard uh things like social media like it's hard to plug stuff at a minute where nothing's going on I can't plug come watch this come train here this is what I'm doing watch me next week I can't do that it's kind of put the odd post up every so often to try and get a little bit of attention keep going instead of dying out but I think that's the hardest and the weirdest thing, probably for most workers and promotions at the minute, is trying um, to put a little bit of stuff out on social media and keep them relevant. But yeah, apart from yeah, that, I, I, try I suppose
1: normal. sort of keeping people's minds. I guess you don't want a, a situation of out of sight, out of mind. I suppose if, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, definitely. But I feel like at the same time, if you put all of your uh, say pictures. Your posts, your videos, all up daily or however long. We don't know how long shows are going to be off, and if you use up all your um, all your stuff, then what are you going to have later on down the line. So I'm trying to keep back some stuff and post every soft, and instead of being as regular as I was, which is hard for me. I like to I like to put stuff out there and I like to get feedback, but I'm just trying to try and stay quiet a minute.
1: No, I understand. I understand. I mean, with regards to that, like you are saying about obviously, uh, no crowds, no shows, and so on. Uh, some of the, the the big leagues, I guess you might refer to them as. I mean, New Japan has recently started back up. Obviously, WWE and AEW have been running throughout the whole of um, the whole lockdown coronavirus situation. Have you caught any yeah. of these shows? What are your thoughts on how they're dealing with it as a fan? I guess with regards to the Thunderdome or having wrestlers in the crowd and what what do you think of those? Uh, so I've seen clips and I've
0: seen like Rev Pro started doing it. I've seen uh, bits of Joel Redman. He wrestled Dan Maloney without an uh, audience. I've seen bits of that. Um, I think it's very good for workers being able to put stuff up still and getting the repetition but as a wrestler I know it's probably going to be a lot more harder for them not having an uh, audience to bounce back off mm. making sure okay, camera A's there. I need to focus on that. I need to focus on this hard cam. Uh, And obviously the editing teams as well, getting involved. But now, like you said, WWE has the Thunderdome where fans can sit in and watch it live uh, and be seated in the audience. I think think it's very futuristic, but very good for fans. You're still getting that feeling despite it not being the same. But I think it's definitely a very good idea for so now, why we can't have audiences, definitely.
1: Yeah, I mean the the whole Thunder Dome idea, I thought was was quite clever. Um, I, in a way, I felt it was kind of staring you in the face. Um, I mean, my wife actually suggested doing something like that within a week or two of them running the performance center. Why didn't they do something along those lines? But actually seeing it, it's quite a spectacular visual, isn't it? And it's all very like you said very futuristic it's, it's quite a dramatic thing to see on your screen and all these screens staring back at you through your screen so to speak
0: yeah like i i remember uh just scrolling on facebook and everyone was like the thunder dome is coming and i was yeah. like what the hell is this all about <laughs> until i seen the video and it's the the room's dark and all of a sudden it lights up and it's got all these faces on screens and it's like wow we're in that modern era, that modern age where we can use technology to our advantage. But you think of the production value and the money that they have to be able to afford that, whereas for uh, obviously independent companies or other just companies in general, they won't be able to do that same stuff the way WWE can do, unfortunately. Whereas I think it would have been amazing for most companies to do that uh, during these times
1: yeah yeah very true very true um so talking about different companies and so on going back to the beginning then um how did you initially stumble across this this crazy world how did you initially discover wrestling uh, as a fan what was the first thing you saw what were your early favorites
0: so being young uh i never watched wrestling uh, i never had an interest uh Growing up, to be honest, I was never really into TV and things. I never cared for it. Um, But roughly at like the age of five, um, Evolution Wrestling, they set up the academy in Gloucester uh, because they'd been running shows up in Yorkshire. Uh, As they started running in Gloucester, they created a school. uh, And it was like family, friends, things out there. Uh, And my mum, she'd be away at weekends. So I kind of was like, okay, nothing to do. And I got dragged along there. And then obviously lads with their banter and uh, <laughs> just want to have a laugh. There's oh it'll be funny if we get a little five rolled in the ring messing about. That'll be a laugh getting him rolling around looking stupid. Uh, and I was gullible enough to do it, and uh, that's where it started. Just getting in a ring with um, like the likes of Charlie Garrett when he uh, Charlie Sterling when he first started, uh, T-Bone when he started, uh, Vicky Haskins. She was there. Uh, Uh, Obviously, before she was with Mark Askins. Um, So in quite a surreal way, I started off with like some big names, just being this little kid that was uh, scrolling around, moving around and worming around, just annoying people, really.
1: Right, Okay. I mean, that that is quite interesting that you sort of got into the actual training side before... Watching on television, I guess. I mean, it, it, have you developed a taste for watching on TV since? Or is it still not your cup of tea? You'd rather be performing, or
0: uh, obviously, I'm sure most uh, performers are the same. They'd rather perform than watched. Although, no, yeah, yeah, of course. Um... I, I
1: mean, sorry, I mean more like, um, have you developed a, a sort of regular viewership now as as you sort of become a worker, become a wrestler yourself? Have you sort of got into the TV products more? since you started wrestling
0: for myself personally uh i'll catch like a glimpse of say wwe or AEW. but what i do uh on a personal i have say i have uh for a week i'll focus on a certain wrestler for example um so recently i've been uh absolutely in love with the original tiger mask from japan um
1: oh yes excellent stuff
0: so for like this past like couple weeks i've been watching nothing but him on youtube and then obviously in recommendations it'll be say tiger mask versus dynamite kids i'll watch that and then it'll be like tiger mask versus um kurt henning now i'll watch that then it will be like kurt henning versus someone so that's uh i think that's how i watch wrestling rather than just sat watching the program each week i'm there obviously looking at moves looking at storytelling looking at footwork looking at techniques um and obviously being a worker i'm I don't, I feel like I don't enjoy it as much as, say, a fan would because uh, I'm trying to focus on things to better myself rather than just enjoy it. Because um, when I was younger, and like I said, I never watched it uh, on TV. But where I had to go to the Evolution shows and where I was so young, I used to cry and hide under the table thinking it was real, being all scared. And <laughs> you know, I, was, like, I, I was petrified. But obviously, I grew up into. Ending up enjoying it and watching it uh, per person rather than as a weekly show.
1: No, I see. And it's easy as well to do. You talk about um, watching a Tiger Mask versus Henning match and then a Henning match after that and sort of going down this little rabbit hole. It's so easy to do, especially on something like YouTube or the WWE Network or wherever, because you always get suggestions afterwards and then something else will pop in your head. I mean, I can easily waste a whole day just sitting in front of a screen, watching, watching stuff myself. And sometimes it can be the most obscure, weird yes. stuff. And it, it gets to sort of four or five hours later, and I'm watching some random nasty boys match in WCW from 1994. And I'm thinking, how the hell did I get here? You know, it's like, sort it's it's of yeah. snowballs, doesn't it, when you're doing that sort of thing? But okay, no, that's that's quite that's quite interesting that you sort of view it more as something you're doing as opposed to being a fan first you you were literally just a training and a wrestler first weren't you
0: yes so um it was very much um as i'll probably end up explaining later uh evolution had academy shows which i started on um as a kid where it was just friends and family so it wasn't like mm-hmm. a main show where public would pay for so in my mind as a kid i was i'm a worker i'm a top class wrestler obviously i wasn't i was just a little five-year-old in a pair of cheap tights looking like an idiot for fun um but at that age you just think you're something special I think that's uh in life I think that's what's given me my confidence during life I enjoy talking to people I'd rather have a conversation than being on a phone I'd rather be in front of a group of people and showing off and doing stuff um and just having that overall confidence around people in life and I think that's where it's come from
1: Oh, I see okay okay that's good It's good that wrestling's had that that positive influence on your life isn't it that's that's fantastic um I mean, you say there about the evolution academy shows um and those early days um it, tell me about your your first match or your first few matches how how did that go i mean what was the what was the name you used uh, was there anything that stands <laughs> out in your mind and anything you wish you could change now or <laughs>
0: So uh, I remember my first academy match by the age of five perfectly. Um, a girl at my school, her mother was a seamstress. and made me a pair of these black tights with these pink rips. While um, I had tiny feet, I had like a pair of like girls' like um, boxing boots on. I had like these pink um, like hand warmer type things, a bit like Jeff Hardy. I had like okay. pink hairspray, and I was wrestling one of the trainers. Uh, uh, he used to wrestle Atom, and he was phenomenal. Um, and I had a manager who had a briefcase wearing a tracksuit for whatever reason which uh, was was, uh, added something (laughs) and obviously he wasn't like punching a 5 year old or suplexing a 5 year old because that would have just been mental Um, and I remember the finish was uh, he picks up the briefcase off my manager goes to hit a small child uh he hits the ropes by and it hits him in the face and i get the pin off of it and um i remember using the name venom um there's a brand which sell knee pads um and kick pads called venom uh, right so i thought if i wear venom knee pads which have venom already on them i don't need a name i don't need custom gear
1: you've all, um, you've already got your personalized
0: your personalized gear haven't you i've <laughs> already got it um uh I, I remember I used uh We Will Rock You by Queen, I remember that as well. Um and it was in the Hempstead uh community hall or village hall, whatever it's called. And that's where we had our training school as well. So we'd have the Academy show and then we would leave the ring up. Uh I used to like, get a crash out of sleep under the ring <laughs> until the right. next morning. Uh and then training. Um and then from there I think the next show, which I remember, was like probably like a year down the line. Still, obviously, a real young kid. Um, I was wrestling like these two other kids this time. Um, and obviously, kids being kids, they was like, we'll do this, we'll do this, we'll do this, we'll do this. And then they was like, you need to be a villain. And I was like, I'm six years old. I ain't got a clue what you're on about. <laughs> and it's very um,
1: difficult, I guess, as a six-year-old, to get people to boo you in the first place.
0: Yeah, especially, like, (laughs) this little, like, cute kid, like, that's just, like, out there smiling, having fun. Um, So, like, you need to be a villain. I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it. Um, So, Rory, uh, who used to uh, wrestle for us, um, he used to be in a tag team with what's now Fraser Thomas. uh, Yeah. A long time ago. Um, And Rory was like, okay, I'll help you go out, distract the referee, which was Vicky Haskins, distract her, when she's not looking, just kick him in the balls and pin him. And that was <laughs> that was the account. That was it. Um and that was like my first two well academy matches as such. Uh yeah did it work? I, did, did you get booed? oh uh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but like I had no idea of like the Spider-Man franchise or anything with the Venom character. Um yeah. and like some like bloke in the crowd was like venom ha, ha, that's a cool name i thought he was being serious and i was like yes i'm i must be wicked um obviously he was taking the mick but oh uh, okay but um yeah no it's was, it was a nice memory and it, i don't i wouldn't change it for the world i think um it's the experience which has uh helped me grow and progress and be able to look back and laugh and think i was that little kid doing that uh, and they've come a long way.
1: At least yeah, I like I mean, we've. <laughs> I, mean, I, I I believe you have. Yes, I mean, with, with regards to that, I mean, I've seen, I've seen the picture of you with the uh, the pink gear on your hands and the pink hairspray and the the the, the black ring gear and so on from when you were smaller, um, when you were much younger, on your social media. Um, it is quite a step away from where you are now. Obviously, a, a good sort of what I mean. You're 19 now, are you? So it's a good yes. 14 years ago, isn't it? So. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it is quite a progression through um, different characters because obviously from the very very young days of playing this this Venom role and uh, so on, you, you've developed into Kid Candy. Or was that the next step, or was there anything in between? So, Tell me about that process.
0: So there was someone else who was uh, called Kid Candy. I'm gonna uh, admit that there was someone else that was called Kid Candy, and as a kid, I was like, I need another name. So he said I could have that as in my name. Um and I was like, Well, I don't want that. So I called myself Sweet Kid Candy. Um yeah. uh until I got to probably about twelve maybe. Then I was like, Okay, I'm gonna be Kid Candy. Now I worked on that and I worked on that. Um I've done like a couple other characters in between. Uh I worked under a mask as El Biggo. <laughs> um <laughs> I think that's how I made like my first like proper debut on shows uh as uh well an adult um i was the I was one of the mystery characters which many people have played over the years of evolution um until the past couple of years where i've been liam jones um so it's definitely uh, been evolving ever since
1: yeah yeah, and when I first started coming to the evolution shows um around where i live Kick candy was was who you were and um it, it was very much squeaky keen baby face all the kids in the crowd thought you were wonderful my, my children included um and then there was this shocking heel turn out of nowhere wasn't there yes um
0: <laughs> yes. tell me about
1: that what 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 was the the, the thought process behind this i mean you had you had kids wearing your, your, your T-shirts, the kids your so, T-shirts. You, you, when your music would hit, there was always a big reaction from the young kids all sat around me. Um, the and then of thought course, process, I turn, so.
0: The thought process was because the show before that, or not long before that, it was at the same venue, Woodton Hall, I wrestled Beano. Yeah. Um, and I dropped my middleweight title to him. Yes, I remember, yep. And after that I had so many death threat messages um from fans because they were disappointed that I lost to him. Oh my um, goodness, really? Yeah, okay. I had fans come up to me and meet and greet uh messages uh through Facebook or Instagram.
1: And were these um, um were these fans that you recognized by name and by face? Or was it sort of- a couple
0: a couple of them, yeah. So I was like, okay, like this isn't just some random uh goon off the internet like this is people that's actually um
1: at shows that's um, incredible i', can't, I can't, that that's really that's that's took my breath away that was like, I can't believe that
0: uh like they were like you made my kid cry losing your disappointment, you're a failure, you should not wow. be here stuff like that and it was um like some of it was pretty brutal mm. um so my process was okay, if some of these fans wanna turn on me. I'll do the shocking thing on turn on them. Um I think like I mentioned it in my like one of the promos and I was like, you like the fans turn their back on me before I turn my back. Um and that was like the whole beginning process was uh and I think that's what ended up killing off Kid Candy to mature into the now babyface Liam Jones. I I think that uh villain process uh eliminated the uh Puberty just hitting, uh, clean shaven, uh, skinny, sparkly, pink, wearing kid candy. To mm-hmm. be it. okay, I'm still, I'm still here for you to cheer, but I'm not gonna mess around. I'm gonna win this fight. Um, I think that's that was uh, all. It really was, um, which ended up making it happen. Was like I said, the fans. Because um, fans can be really brutal these days. So I wanted to do something to prove a point on what they say and do does have influence and effects on wrestlers
1: yeah that yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah i mean i'm I, like i said I'm, I'm quite stunned to hear that that, that happened yeah. um that's that's incredible um you, you say on a i suppose on a professional level on a, on a wrestling level your response and reaction to that was to literally say okay um on I'm on, on making this turn, this is what I'm going to do. And it made perfect sense from what you've how you've explained it there. Um but that's on a that's on a, a wrestling level. On a personal level, how did that affect you? Um uh, to me, that that could have been I imagine that would have been quite jarring if people who were fans and so on were saying these things to you. How did that affect you on a personal level?
0: When you think about it, I'm obviously just nineteen uh beginning of this year ish. Yeah um so at that time i would have been like 17 maybe roughly so i'm still in like college at this point i'm Mm. still like going through life and i'm having people thinking that what i'm doing is like incredibly real um and it's it's tough like you go to like say college and whatever um and i'm one of these i try and keep up with my socials people message me i try and reply when i can and like my fame would of go off, and I'm a class and It's like you're a disappointment. It's like fuck. What, what, what am I supposed to do to make everyone happy? Mm. Do I say to promoters, I can't lose. My fans don't like it, or do I be professional and real and say, okay, this is a sport. Things happen. People win. People lose. They've just got to accept it, and I'm gonna move on. Uh, I think that was the thing for me um i try not to let it phase me because i understand i get messages like not just like hate messages uh because that's died down quite a lot but like say creepy messages off fans i get a lot of them i know other workers do too so i kind of like try to desensitize myself to it and be able to move on from it rather than dwell on it and i think that's something which helped
1: me yeah no that's i mean that's, that's a brilliant i suppose outlook or mindset to have And to me, that shows an incredible level of maturity at an incredibly young age. Um, I mean, obviously, it all happened at a very young age for you, sort of starting at five and um, working and training at five, six, and and so on. And then, obviously, 17 years of age, you're in this scenario. That, to me, is an incredibly mature outlook, and I think that's a great testament to to your character as a person and as a wrestler as well. Um, My son is basically as you described 17 years of age going to college now um if somebody messaged him something online that was a bit vicious or a bit nasty i'm not sure how he would react and i know i know for a fact as his father i wouldn't react very well either um so i think it's quite an incredible way for you to take those bad points and turn them into a positive i guess i mean that's something that i think you should be quite proud of on a personal level
0: i appreciate that um I really do and uh, like I said everything that happens I try and turn it into a positive I try and turn it into a purpose because there's no uh, point in life letting the negatives rise above the positives and if there is a negative then I want to try and eliminate it and make the best that I can out of it and Hmm. kids being upset because of me okay you're upset with me well you're going to be even more upset when I come out and I hit a chair over someone's face like So I've I've used their upset and made it into hate, and it's a lot easier to make people hate you than like you. A lot easier. As humans, you walk down the street and uh, you don't mean to, but you'll judge people. Whether it be like he's got a silly haircut, oh why they went. That's what people say about me quite often. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what I mean. It's uh, it's natural thing for humans to judge people. So obviously, when I was villain, I was getting the you're fat. Uh, or you're you're awful, you can't wrestle. And I'm like, well, last week you were cheering me and you were telling Mm. me how much you love me. How can that change just because of um, a week period? Yeah. I think that was the um, important life lessons for fans as well. Um, Because after that, I've had fans that have appreciated what I've done a lot more um, and respect me for it.
1: Yeah, no, I understand. I mean, I I personally enjoyed the heel turn. I I love a good turn. I love a good swerve. I love all that sort of thing with with any wrestling I'm watching. And uh, I enjoyed it when it happened. I enjoyed you uh, as a heel as well. I think it sort of gave a lot more depth to what you were doing. Um, But then obviously then you you turned back good guy again, not long after. Um, What was the thought process there? And uh, over the course of the sort of kid candy then to the heel Liam Jones and then night like to the, to the sort of persona you are now. Um, what was the thought process through that? And what, what's your sort of favorite aspect?
0: Um, so obviously wrestling is still a business at
1: the end mm-hmm. of the day.
0: Um, and for companies that book me, um, and for evolution <laughs> as well, who booked me, they worked out that having me as a villain, was less of a money-making draw than having me as a good guy. So that was like one of the first steps. Um, And like I said, I think when I had that turn, um, people kind of started to forget about how innocent I was. So when I turned good guy again, people were like, oh, he's a lovely person, but we know not to mess with him because he's going to either hit you very hard in the face or he's going to put you in a hold or he's going to slam you. Um, And I think that was the important bit in the thought process of this is now something which is them, that Kid Candy and that original villain, Liam Jones, mixed in together to create like this superhuman wrestler that has the best of both worlds as such.
1: Yeah, okay, I understand. Um, With with regards to Evolution Wrestling now, I mean, I'm going to keep coming back to Evolution Wrestling because it's the company that you Russell for the most and it's where i've seen you so it's sort of my own personal viewpoints of this um Oops. you've you've been involved in a great deal of firsts haven't you you, you were involved in the first ladder match the first yes. cage match um i believe it was uh the first force anywhere match as well i mean i'm maybe yeah. missing one or two there because there was quite an extensive list i saw yeah. <laughs> um, with regards to that i mean when it comes to putting on a, a stipulation for the first time not just for yourself but for a company. Yeah. how does that work how is that process is it easy for you to put that together is it more okay this is all new what am i doing or talk talk, talk me through that um and and what what was your personal favorite um to me
0: uh it's kind of every match I have the exact same thought process before every match, whether it's going to be a two minute match or a 20 minute Ironman match or what. These are fans that have paid to come and enjoy the show, whether it be 10 people in the audience or 10,000 people, they've Mm -hmm. paid their money. Yeah. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Each time I was like, okay, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to bust my gut uh, and put on the best match I could Uh, and I put on matches with people I enjoyed as well. Um, and like the thought process was was like the Steel Cage match. We um was told what we wasn't um what we was allowed to do. Um so instead of climbing over the top for the um win, it was a pinfall for a win because um obviously Yestin and Bram were main eventing, and we wanted that to be the main event because that's what it was supposed to be. They were supposed to be the highlight of the show. We knew like there, it's Bram, he's gonna go balls to the wall, like this is gonna be insane. We'll lay off the heavy hitting stuff and leave that for them. But we can tell a story and put on a good match. When um, there was the ladder match, I I think I wrestled three or four times that night. Because I had the ladder match and I went straight into another match. Like, there was no rest for me. Um, okay. So, so it was like, okay, ladders, climbing, use that to my advantage. I know I'm dumb. I know I'll jump off the ladder to the floor. <laughs> um, how do you win the match okay you need to climb a ladder, what am I going to do I'm going to go grab a ladder first little things like that it's a false cat anywhere. so what am I going to do I'm not going to be uh, like everyone else, go straight to the floor try and pin on the floor straight away try and keep it in the ring a little bit first try and as if I want to win in the ring before I have to take them opportunities as a villain um, and it's always just trying to do things that people don't expect of you. Um, and obviously, like, on shows, I am a stocky lad. I am a big lad. So people don't necessarily expect to see flips, backflips, um, these dives and whatnot. But when I pull one out out of nowhere, then that's the moment where you're drawn in. You're drawn into this character, this, uh, like I said, the superhuman, that's best of both worlds. You're drawn into it. And that's why fans appreciate it and enjoy it because fans sit there and they're like, I'd love to be able to just hit someone in the face like that. I'd love <laughs> to be able to run off them ropes and dive through and go to land on a wooden floor without a care. Yeah. I'd love to be able to just get in that ring and put on a spectacular mat. But obviously not everyone has that same um, chance. So I live that for them for their money's worth. Um, and that's the way I've looked at every single one of these matches.
1: No, I understand. Um, with regards to the cage match, you mentioned there that um, there was a match on after you in the cage as well. So you had to be a bit cautious as to what you did to not take away from that main event. Um, what Who who was that you would discuss with? Would you di- would discuss that with the guys in the match after you? Or is it the promoter? Or uh, how, so, how does that conversation go?
0: At the time... Uh, I was training very heavily with Yeston anyway. yeah. Uh, And it was Yeston in the match. So I kind of spoke to Yeston. And obviously, uh, if you're a very good worker, a good wrestler, you know uh, you're first on. Not every member of the audience understands the show. So you want to make them understand the rules in the show. And you want to start building it and building it and building the show as the matches go on. And then you know that main event's going to be the main event has to be the main event. It has to be the showstopper. So talking yesterday, was like, okay, I'm going to try and avoid doing this type of stuff. I'm going to try and avoid stealing your limelight. But at the same time, I'm not going to go out there and do a bad match because you're on main event and I'm not. I'm still going to give a good match, but I won't be in uh, an asshole as such. And I'll try and give you what I can to help you sh- instead of struggling a lot harder than what you need to because mm, if we went out there and I threw him into every single cage wall and I got to the top of the cage and I done a dive off of it and I took him to the top of the cage and I suplexed him off of it and
1: there's nothing left for them to do is there there's no one
0: left exactly. for them to go Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of wrest uh, I'm going to say wrestlers because they're not workers wrestlers forget they forget that just because they're not in the main event doesn't mean that they have to take everything away from the main event um that's why I try and stay respectful and humble to whoever is in the main event because if you're in the main event it's because you've been put there because you deserve that spot. Um and that's the way I look at
1: it. Yeah, okay. No, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, it I suppose I suppose it's like any any situation, whether it's um work or uh, a sports team or even a family scenario, there's always gonna be someone involved who's more selfish than somebody else. Um who maybe looks at the show as their own match or their own 10 minutes, as opposed to maybe the, the three hour show as a whole, which I suppose you've got to sort of think that through, haven't you? Like, like you say there about saving moments for the main event to be the spectacular it needs to be. You could have been quite selfish there and gone out and done this, that, the other, and, and sort of chopped them off at the knees, I guess. So no, that's yeah. a, like, no I understand uh, where you're coming from.
0: One of my last matches before lockdown, um, I was on the show, I can't remember where exactly I was on the card, but it was like a pretty like mid-card match, because um, it later lent uh, ended up in a big tag team main event, which I was involved in. But like the first matches just went balls to the wall, and the crowd were getting exhausted, because they were like clapping and clapping and cheering and cheering and clapping and clapping. And if you're doing that for two hours straight, then you're not going to care Yeah. by the end of it. You're just doing it for the sake of it. So I went out there and I was just putting on holds and trying to break people's arms. I was uh, getting these headlocks in and I was making the most out of it rather than doing the usual runoff, do this, do this, do this. I tried to slow it down. So when, after my match, the um, crowd then felt, they felt, uh, obviously they still cheered. They still got involved, but they didn't have to exhaust themselves for it. They could save that for the main event. Um, so, in that purpose, I think, uh, when you do stuff like that, you're doing good in that sense for your helping the audience as well as the actual wrestlers within the show.
1: Yeah, again, it's looking at the, the the show as a presentation as a whole, isn't it, rather than a collection of moments you're looking at it as one long show one, one long presentation, aren't you? So yeah, that makes perfect sense i mean, you you mentioned there wrestling early in the show later in the show uh training with Yestin a great deal who I, I had a fantastic chat with Yestin um a few weeks ago it's episode four of the podcast if anyone wants to go back and have a listen it's it's on spotify and everywhere else and on the the, the show's facebook and twitter please go back and have a listen it's a it's a brilliant conversation with Justin reese there um but you've wrestled yeah. alongside justin you've wrestled alongside some big names Um, You wrestled against some very big names. Do do you have a fave opponent? Do you have like a favorite opponent or favorite person to work with in in, over the duration of your career?
0: Um, My favorite uh, match, I guess, person against uh, was Charlie Sterling. Um, We wrestled in Bristol, and before like we was main event, but the crowd uh, it was a venue where the crowd was very tough, and I wasn't really into it. And Charlie's just nuts. And he was just like, we're going at it. And we did. And it was phenomenal. Um, And the guy's an absolute machine. He is an athlete. And uh, I respect him very much for the way he works. And, uh, yeah, it was just spectacular. Um, I love wrestling Joel Redman. Uh, I wrestled him, I think he was one of my last matches before lockdown. Maybe my last. Uh, I opened the show uh, for Uh, We wrestled for James Mason. We opened. Uh, It was a brilliant match. I really enjoyed it. He was very thankful and very polite afterwards. Uh, And then it led into uh, the big tag again for the main event, which he was in. It always just ends up going real smooth and uh, real nice. Um, And I wrestled Lionheart before he passed away, and that was, um, well, I was, I think that's the only match I've ever been very nervous for. Um was that. But when I was in that I I loved every minute of it and just loved uh sharing a ring with someone like him.
1: Yeah, I I, I saw that um I saw that was a, was at gl one wasn't it? Yes, yes. yes. Our, our local sort of leisure centre. I guess it's a great little venue. Um I I was at that show and I enjoyed that match a great deal. It was very good. Um, and I, I've seen clips of it again recently on, on your Facebook and, and so on. And um, obviously we'll pass out your information later on. But if people get the opportunity to go and look at some of these clips and these matches that you have on your, your Facebook and your Twitter, I strongly advise they do. Um, with that, then I mean, you're talking there about different opponents, different um, venues, different circumstances. You're, you're most recently... Um, been operating in a tag team, haven't you? But yes. at the same time, you've also been um, a singles champion. Yes. Uh, do do you have a preference there? Do you find it easy switching from one to the other, or to do, which one do you prefer? Um.
0: Well, it's an awkward one because, like I said, as a worker, I I know I'm just out here to impress fans and make money for the promoter uh, in a blunt way. Um. So see I'm happy to do both uh I enjoy doing singles uh a lot because when I do singles, I challenge myself a lot more mentally um to focus on having just a real solid match. I know something say slips up or uh something needs changing or someone gets hurt. then I know okay, I can do this whereas uh in these tag matches, you're thinking for yourself and three other people um which, is, which you can do, is easy enough to do, but at the same time uh, I feel like people uh, and I can do it myself, you start stressing in the fact of you're thinking does that person know what he's doing? Is that person hurt? What's going on? No one, no one knows what they're doing. How am I going to let three people know what to do without making everyone look like an idiot?
1: Yeah, um, okay.
0: But yeah, I enjoy both um, working with Dale, like got some uh incredible like say tag moves and things like that Uh, i think that's something i enjoy about working with dale is uh being creative uh with just not uh a singles move but with a three-way move where i do something or he does something and we use it together and make like a super move as such um but like i said i enjoyed being singles like uh when shows come back eventually i've got so many new things ready to uh, bring out the books now and uh, I can't wait to show them off and whether it be singles or tag
1: yeah okay great I mean uh, you say like being creative and, and so on in the tag team there um, one thing that stands out to me of one of the matches I saw before lockdown with you was the lego spot yeah Um, the bag came out from under the ring <laughs> and as any parent will will uh, testify to stepping on a Lego is horrific when you're walking across the bedroom floor huh. late at night when it's dark, wanting to turn the TV <laughs> off that your kids are falling asleep watching or whatever and you find you find a random brick and it catches you. It's terrible. So when we see the bag come out from under the ring, I'm assuming it's thumbtacks. So I'm thinking, my goodness, really? Uh, you know, in, here in front of the kids and so on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but deep down, I'm thinking this is brilliant. But at the same time, I'm a bit like, okay, in front of the kids and so on. And then all the Legos get poured out all over the mat. I mean that. My mum my came to that show. I mean she's now in her sixties, and that she got a big kick out of that as well. So yeah. it's all, you've got my youngest daughter who's ten, and my mum who's in her sixties, both having the same reaction from your match there. So I think mean, that's quite a, again a testament to uh to that level of creativity there. I mean that can't feel nice getting chucked on that, Liam. Surely.
0: Well, the thing is, is so I got the Lego. Uh well me and the promoter we split getting the lego and we spent so much money oh it's not cheap is it it's not cheap i think we spent at least 50 pound on lego oh my goodness because there was another bag under the ring a bigger bag um and they didn't realize and they didn't get it so that was like just half the legos um i i was like i wanted to because we already had one extreme rules, and I want to do something which was memorable. Yeah. Um, and Lego, everyone can relate to Lego. Whether um, you're someone who's a bit older, um, and you have kids, and you step on it, and it hurts, or you're a kid, and you've left your mess everywhere, and you stand on it, or you're an adult, and you think, like you said, it's going to be thumbtacks, and you get a little bit of a laugh, and you're like, ah, it's yeah, not Yeah, <laughs> But then the realization of, oh, Lego
1: does still hurt, um, I'll, I'll tell you what, that's the sort of sound you heard as well, especially where I was sat. Because um, it was quite a big crowd that day for, for that show. That's the sort of reaction you got. You got the, especially from the grown-ups, I think, you got the sort of little chuckle, little ripple of laughter, and then the sort of sudden realisation of, oh, hang on. Uh, yeah. You know, you, you, that sort of was what I felt all around me from the people who, who were sat in that area, if that makes sense.
0: Because um, myself as like a per- personal person... I'm not into like these death matches where people are getting cut up everywhere and yeah. getting chucked on glass. and I'm not into that type of stuff. Whereas if I can make someone who's, say, into that type of stuff think, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get this, I'm going to see something amazing and brutal, you're still seeing something amazing and brutal. It just wasn't as disgusting as having loads of metal pins on your back.
1: No, that's right. <laughs> Uh, to be honest, I don't know what would be worse though. The Lego, uh, the Lego does chafe, doesn't it? Um, I, I had like prints of Lego marks, Lego bricks
0: on my back the next day at in little circles. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs>
1: that's that's fantastic. <laughs> okay, I mean, as as we sort of come to a come to an end here, uh, time wise, um, I suppose there's a couple of quick things I want to ask you about. Um, once lockdown is over and everything's back to normal hopefully Touchwood as soon as it possibly can be um but as long as it is done safely for everyone it, it, all around um where do you hope to be heading where do you hope to be i mean i suppose your priority now i suppose first of all is just to be back wrestling again because it's been so long but where do you hope to be heading in future weeks months and years so i've been doing
0: um some secret training um and stuff which i can't say too much on us i get other people in trouble um but i'm i'm hoping in the next few years to be signed by next uk i think that's my um that's my current goal uh, and where i want to be at uh if anything else comes my way or um obviously i'm not going to turn it down i do this because i love it i don't I'm not one of these people that charges steady money or anything and thinks about a paycheck. I do it because I enjoy it and I love it. Um, but that's why I ultimately want to be within the next couple of years.
1: Yeah. No, I, I think that's, first of all, for, for, for you personally, from what I've seen, I think that's a very sensible and realistic goal from my standpoint, looking in, obviously you and the people around you are far more qualified, qualified than I to make comment on that. But with my, <laughs> with my novice eyes, I think that's a very attainable and sensible goal for you. And also, I believe it's with regards to NXT in this country or the NXT in the States and WWE as a whole, I believe that is, uh, especially to somebody as young as yourself, it should always kind of be the end game, isn't it? It should always be where people sort of should be looking towards, even though sometimes the company gets a bad press at times and. There can be a lot of negativity, but I think a lot of that's idiots on the internet, isn't it? I I think
0: most wrestlers that say they don't want to go there are liars. Mm. Um, You think about it, the biggest company growing up as a kid, I can guarantee you, was either WWE or WWF, and if you're a wrestler and you don't want to be at that place, which you've known as being the top dog the whole time, then you're a liar.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I I mean, from, from my standpoint, I mean, I'm more than double your age. I can remember when WCW were the biggest company going, but that's That's going way back in time, that is. That's nothing that's way before that's way before your days. So before I was created. That's exactly right, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, and as well, as we're coming to an end now, there's a a segment I I I do with every guest on the show. Um, we have a little fun, we have a little chat and look at um your binet book it best. Um I always try and end the show on something positive, so we finish on your best. So if you don't mind, uh, Liam, if you could uh, give us your bin it, something in professional wrestling you've seen or a match or an event or anything like that, you wish you could just chuck in a bin and wipe from history.
0: Uh, something that I wish I could chuck in history. oh, uh, it's, it's a hard one. Uh, I'd say the call from WWE when they had the Nexus versus the Core. Uh, oh yeah, I would have yes. completely got rid of the core gimmick. That that would never existed or came in. Or uh, actually, I'm gonna cause some controversy here. The fiend. No that would be my uh, benefit. Okay,
1: that's the interesting one, because I, I I find the fiend as being very much um Marmite. People either think it's absolutely fantastic or they despise it. So 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 what's your thinking behind that? So the
0: fiend characters to begin with where uh why it was being like a little weird as per usual this uh fun house gimmick and all that mm-hmm. um all that was all well and good and the character and all that was real good like you, yeah, comedy like... as well wasn't it in places but here's how in depth the character is uh a along... i can't remember exactly when but a while ago ww on their network was doing um like ghost stories like where uh wrestlers would explain ghosts that they've seen on paranormal things and that and Wyatt was one of the guests on there and he was talking about a character uh a thing that had uh like a real pale face these like yellow cat like eyes this long blonde hair um and like these big like this big mouth and big teeth and all that and this was like ages ago and he is describing the fiend
1: mm-hmm.
0: so in that sense it's brilliant but where he got pushed into Uh, a title run straight away and how as if that was so important it ended up killing it off because most fans they'll say they were begging for Wyatt to win the belt or they were uh, begged for Kofi to win the belt but when it then happened they then didn't really care anymore and when he lost the belt they was like well that was a waste it was a waste, oh, yeah. because, it was a waste <laughs> because it shouldn't have been pushed and it shouldn't have happened. If they're they, very fickle, aren't they? Very Yeah, whereas if you think about it, if the fiend had never touched the belt or even attempted well, oh. maybe like uh say like hinted that he was going for it, but never actually went for it, you'd be speculating why won't he go for that belt? That's supposed to be the most prestigious thing in the company. Because until I knew if I was a demon and I was like a devil, I don't think I would care about a belt. <laughs>
1: the hell, I take- very I- true.
0: So I think if he stayed away from that and then maybe eventually he won it, but it was more like he won it by accident just because he was being so brutal and he like he didn't mean to win it, but he won it. He's then got it, but without trying. I mm. think that would have gave it a bit more purpose rather than... So I think that uh, segment of The Fiend, I think I would have got rid of I would have been that.
1: Yeah, okay. Okay. I can appreciate like I said, I find um I find most people's opinions on the whole fiend character and certain aspects of it, certain matches, very very marmite. There is no sort of middle ground, people either love it or hate it. Um I'm a big fan of Bray Wyatt, but and I'm a big fan of the Fiend and the Firefly Funhouse. But there are certain aspects of it that sometimes go a little bit far for me and they're a bit silly and so on. But on the whole, I quite enjoy it. But I know so many people that do not. Um, but again, this is why wrestling is so fantastic. It's subjective. Everyone's entitled to their opinions. That's, that's, that's but, a great a great pick for you, Bennett.
0: I can, I can see why people love it and I can see why people hate it. And like I said, I think if it was... Uh... You erase that beginning bit with the belt and all that. I think if you erase that, I think more people would be into it because there'd be more things to
1: care about with it. Yeah, I see. I see, and almost getting more of a long-term story with it as well, haven't you then? It's yeah. It's not just sort of one and done, there you go, championship title, I guess, sort of thing. Yeah, no, I see where you're coming from. Um, okay, moving along. Your uh, your bucket then, sir, something you you enjoyed or something you thought was good but you think you could have wrote the ending a bit better you think you're something you think didn't end how it should do um your book it please the montreal screw drop oh i'll tell you what i've been waiting well since i started this show and started these questions to hear this take it away
0: (laughs) i don't think it's going to be in a way that you expect it to be
1: ah okay even more interesting
0: uh, I don't know if you've watched uh, the Dark Side of the Ring documentary on the Montreal Screwjob.
1: Yes, yes I have.
0: Um, and if you've watched it, you'll recall um, Scott Hall talking about how it had to be a work. There was no way that he'd get away on television doing the WCW spitting in McMahon's face and the camera panning into it. No way a bloke of that standard would let him have that happen um, without a repercussion um, so, where Scott Hall was like, Oh, it was a work, it was a work. I think that was, um, I had logic behind it. And I think if uh, Brett obviously went to WCW, but he flopped so hard, and I think it was because he didn't care. But if he went there, um, and had like a bit more of like, a care, a bit more of a care, uh, and he ended up, say, taking the WCW title, um, I'm sure. Uh, WCW and WWE or F could have worked on a term where say Brett won the WCW title and he come back and he was like you screwed me out of my belt because you didn't want me in this company I've gone out and I've proven i got a belt and I want to come back and I want to take your belt as well and made this screw drop this like most shocking thing in history and turned it into something rather than just leaving it as Brett got screwed. Mm. Brett got screwed and he then came back from it. And you think how loved he was at WWE. If he then came back and he was like, I'm coming for you, Sean. I'm coming for you, Vince. And I'm going to take take your belt and I'm going to have the WCW and the WWF title. And if he'd done that, I think that would have uh, blew the roof off of
1: everything. I think that would have been more memorable than the screwdriver alone. I'll, I'll tell you what, if that could have been if that could have been worked out for um some way of having WCW and the WWF almost working together on a, a, a big storyline or a big angle in that way, especially in nineteen ninety seven, because that was that was very much the peak of WCW in 1997. The Brett's debut um was actually as the referee for yes. the Goldberg um sorry, Hogan uh, Goldberg match at Started,
0: But I think where it kinda of like he went into there and like you watched back the promos, it was all like he was very like he had an enthusiasm. Um there was like do you want a referee? And he was like, Oh referee. Like he didn't care. He did not care. Whereas mm. if he Oh
1: my goodness, it was sting, wasn't it? I'm such an idiot. Yeah, sorry, carry on. <laughs>
0: If he if he like had a bit more oomph and like I said, made something out of it made a story into it, I think that would be so memorable. Imagine people talking about do you remember when the like the two biggest companies that hated each other the most got brought together and brought to their knees by one person that was screwed over by the multimillionaire that everyone hates? Mm. Imagine people being able to say that.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, like I was saying, it's um in in ninety seven, WCW was at its peak. Um Brett's debut was in the the main event of the the Sting um Hogan title match at Starcade of that year as the referee. Um, if he'd gone in to WCW and picked up their world title and was roaring away on that channel, um, it could have been fantastic. And and your idea, your bucket of somehow getting the two companies to work together in an angle, a a, a sort of cross-promotion angle, would have been incredible, especially for at the time, because... At that moment in time it was probably the least likely to happen which would have made it as you say even bigger so i i think that's an absolutely fascinating way of looking at it um i'd not that would be honest that had never entered my mind before that that that, <laughs> that, that idea so i mean that's what the Book it section is for very much fantasy booking and that's very much fantasy booking and i, I really like the idea so as, <laughs> as, as unlikely as it would have been it does ponder some great questions doesn't it so no that's fantastic <laughs> Um, I might have to uh, tweet tweet them about that now. <laughs> Let them know. <laughs> yeah, that's Let right. They really messed up. Oh, I think they. I think they know they messed up. They were dead and buried a few years later, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> um, and finally, then uh, Liam, um, your best, your absolute favourite of something, whether it's a match, a show, a pay per view, you go back to time and time again. Anything at All sir. something that you just absolutely adore in this wrestling world. Um, oh so hard Uh, as I mentioned earlier like
0: the dynamite kid versus the original tiger mask like saga uh, in general um uh I think that was incredible uh I'm gonna I'm gonna say it in like a different way so no one can get in trouble for it the pegasus kid and the black tiger um okay yeah story uh I'm gonna say it like that so I can't get in trouble (laughs) (laughs) um where they worked from in Japan. Uh I'm pretty sure uh I remember watching uh I think it was another Dark Side of the Ring, and I'm sure it was something like they didn't get on at first or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like they ended up becoming like two of the best wrestlers in the world. Yeah. Uh, and just creating these such beautiful matches and stories and like going from Japan into America, building up and then eventually being like
1: the very top of these companies. Um, WrestleMania 20, both holding either the WWE or the world title.
0: Yeah, and like the tears and the, um, yeah, definitely. and everything, and it, like how emotional it was. And obviously, um, it's, uh, it was a horrible way that it ended, uh, the whole saga ended, um, especially for Pegasus kids, especially like that was like, mm. uh, more horrible the way it happened. Whereas, like, obviously, um,
1: Eddie's was obviously more, um, Sad in the way of how, um, and yeah, so it was tragedy over both sides, isn't it? Very yeah. sad for everyone involved, for the whole family involved. Yeah, I mean, um, the in ring content from both of those gentlemen is, is, is fantastic stuff to watch back even today.
0: And I think there's stuff that, um, people need to go back and appreciate all over again and relive again and watch that build up to that WrestleMania moment, like you said, where. Mm where everyone's happy and you think how big it was and how amazing it was and you think about it like I'm only 19 and yet I'm like I mention this because I think it's better than anything that happens recently I think it is um, just truly incredible
1: yeah yeah I mean I mean, with regards to I mean I I'll I, I use it there. with regards to um, uh, Benoit this was 2004 I was all in on Chris Benoit as a main eventer he he wrestled in a style I loved. He wrestled that hard hitting Japanese style. I'd watched him in WCW as well, um, as he came through there. So two thousand and four, when he when he won the Rumble, that was to me. I, I I you know obviously in no way shape or form knowing what was coming at the time at that moment, I was all in on Chris Benoit. The WrestleMania yes. twenty triple threat, the main event there with um, Shawn Michaels and Triple H is an incredible match. If you go back and watch it, it's absolutely fantastic. But then the following month at um, Backlash, I believe it might have been paid. One of these sort of the B pay per views they refer to them as sometimes. Yeah. Um, the following month they had a rematch of that triple threat, and that was as good, maybe even a touch better than the WrestleMania effort. And then he went on to have singles matches defending his title against Shawn Michaels as a singles, Triple H as a singles, and then at SummerSlam 2004. Dropped the title to Randy Orton and Randy Orton's first world title win, and that match is incredibly underrated as well. So where you're coming from with the whole um, Benoit Guerrero, those moments, I can, I, I'm all in on that. It's obviously just incredibly sad and horrific how it ended, but 04 for me in in ring, which is what I try and focus on when it comes to these things. Absolutely fantastic, and I think I think that's a great pick for, for your best as well. Um, absolutely brilliant stuff. Uh, Liam, I cannot thank you enough for taking an hour or so from your evening to waffle to this idiot about wrestling. I fully appreciate it.
0: It It's been a pleasure.
1: It's been a great conversation. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, Could you please then just take a moment and let... Everybody out there listening, where they can find you online, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and so on, um, how potential promoters can get hold of you to book you. And I recommend anyone listening, um, promoters, they do book Liam. It will be well worth it. Every match I've seen from him has been superb. Um, And any fans who see his name attached to a poster or an event near them when lockdown is done and dusted, buy the tickets, go watch the guy wrestle always entertains me and I like to think I know a teeny weeny bit about this wrestling business so <laughs> if I'm saying he, if I'm saying he's worth the money he's definitely worth the money but Liam if you can just share your I social share. and your contacts please sir
0: Um, so Facebook is just simple it's just Liam Jones Wrestler um, my Instagram my Twitter is uh, exactly the same it's just Liam Jones uh, you'll most likely need to be able to hit me up on um, Instagram or Facebook uh, just do message me I'm always on them two platforms a lot more than Twitter, but uh, yeah, like I said earlier, anyone that wants to message me, uh, don't hesitate. Whether you're a fan, or promoter, or someone that just wants to talk, I'll uh,
1: get back to you free of charge. That's fantastic stuff, and keep posting. Uh, I see little. Um, again, I'm gonna show me age here. What? How do? How do we word it? Gifts of um, you, you putting off moonsaults from the middle and top rope and so on. Little training videos that that are popping up. Keep posting yep. those. I enjoy seeing all this. I very much look forward to when lockdown is finished, and hopefully, I can bring my wife, m- my children, and my mother again. It's a proper, it's a proper family outing for us now to the Evolution okay. shows to come and to come and see you work again. Perfect. I appreciate that so much. No problem. I mean, it, as as I said, it's been an absolute joy talking to you. Fantastic uh, hearing about your very unique and very young career despite Fair. being in the business as long as you have um again thank you very much i would love to have you back on uh, when lockdown is finished and you're back in the ring and there's things to talk about with regards to television wrestling and so on if you do not mind no i'd be happy to come back on tomorrow if you ask me mate. that's fantastic <laughs> brilliant stuff okay um again thank you very much uh, i'll leave you to it and i'll let you get off enjoy the rest of the evening. thank you thank you cheers,
0: thank you. cheers.